You are listening to the Hippie Haven podcast, where we have real-life conversations about all things hippie, from veganism to zero waste to manifesting to minimalism and everything in between. I'm your host, Callie. I'm a zero-waste activist and consultant traveling the United States in a van with a mission of encouraging people to live an ethical and eco-friendly lifestyle. With this podcast, I want to show you how easy it can be to take small steps that make a big difference in saving our planet. Let's get started. This episode of the Hippie Haven podcast is brought to you by Bombay and Cedar. Bombay and Cedar is a luxury beauty and wellness lifestyle subscription box featuring vegan and cruelty-free products curated for the modern woman who lives a life inspired. You can save 10% off your monthly subscription with code HIPPIE10. That's H-I-P-P-I-E and the number 10. Visit bombayandcedar.com to order now, and as always, thanks for supporting our partners. Today I'm chatting with Yolanda Shoshana, who is a culinary historian with a focus on wine and spirits. In this episode, we talk about how wine is traditionally made, which, turns out, includes the use of some weird animal products, what vegan winemaking alternatives exist, and what her favorite vegan wine brands are. By the way, there is a bit of audio popping throughout this interview. Please do forgive me as I deal with poor Wi-Fi connections and figure out how to best record while I travel around the United States. Tell me about your background. My background. So uh, I used to be a life coach (laughs) and I guess you would say an influencer in New York. So I started going to a lot of events, which had lots of wine and copious amounts of food. And actually, well, backtracking, my first blog that I ever did was actually food. So food and drink were always in my background, but I kind of put it aside for life coaching. And due to all of the lovely events in New York and drinking wine, I really realized how much of a love I had for wine. So I started a wine blog called Witch on Wine, and that kind of got me into more wine, studying about wine and studying about spirits, which is a lot of what I do now. Um, And I think of it as a lifestyle versus just drinking because it is, it brings people together, uh, people pair it with food and lots of things in life. So, uh, so basically life coaching kind of led to to wine or, or (laughs) uh, food was always there. It was just kind of underlying, but there's always been an element of food and drink somewhere in my repertoire. So walk me through the traditional winemaking process. The traditional winemaking process. Uh, Okay, that can differ a little bit depending on what country you're talking about. But for the most part, people plant grapes. And it takes actually a few years for those grapes to become uh, useful for winemaking, which is why a lot of winemakers, when they begin, uh, sometimes they actually buy grapes from other people because you have to plant your vintage to get ready. And after you have the right amount of grapes that you want to pick and put into a bottle, depending on what varietal you're making, because it also depends upon weather, uh, there's still a lot of handpicking in France and Italy. In the U.S., there's a little bit more industrial. So you'll have trucks that go out and they, they pick the grapes. And from there, you have finishing process, which is... Um, where they take the things out, the sediments out of the wine, whether it's uh, residuals, um, maybe a little bit of dirt, what have you. And from there, actually, they, then they put them in barrels so that they can age, whether it's an oak, unoaked. 
And then from there, you kind of, it ends up in a bottle. <laughs> so uh, wine can end up in the barrel for X amount of months. If it's a young wine, if it's going to be an old wine, it's going to be in the barrel for a few years. And champagne, for example, gets mixed with different vintages. So some of that, some of those grapes will be um, 10 years old and then some will be 20 years old, which is why it costs so much more money. But young wine is the wine we get for 10 and $12. So after it's been in the barrel for maybe six months to a year, maybe two years, they put it in a bottle. And then it's off to us so we can buy it and drink it and have a good time. Wow, that is such a long process. Yeah. <laughs> what animal products are used in winemaking? So, so I've had, it's been interesting. So, so many people go, wait, grapes, aren't they vegan? Technically, yes. It's the finishing process where you end up with um, the animal products. And, and that's where you're taking things out of the wine, which is then where it touches those grapes. So it could be a few different things depending upon the winemaker. Some of them use a fish, bat, a fish bladder, which sounds absolutely disgusting to me. <laughs> yeah, it does. Ew. Um, even I'm like, okay, that's gross. And then there's something called casein, which is a milk protein. And then there's the albumin, which is egg whites. And then probably the most popular would be gelatin, which is what a lot of people like to stay from. And that's the animal protein. Sometimes it shows up in a lot of our foods. It's very random. So, uh, but yeah, the fish bladder and the gelatin are probably some of the most popular. So those are touching wine, which is why a wine could not be vegan. And a lot of people don't even know that. That is so gross. Are those same are those same processing materials used in other alcoholic beverages, like with beer? Uh, that's a very interesting question. I'm it, it you know what possibly because they've got to finish it with something as well. Uh, I'm not sure on on beers in how they do that to be. That's a great that's a great question. I am not sure, but I'm definitely going to check on that when I'm done with this because I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. I know I've seen something about vegan beer recently, and so I'm wondering if it is a similar situation where it's they use animal products, and so now maybe people are finally starting to switch. Yeah, I'll definitely have to look into to beer as well. That is, yeah. Actually, so um, they're using some of the same things. I just looked. They're using some of the same things as wine because I'm sure most people have probably finished they finish alcohol the same way because that's just what they used a long, long time ago. That's what was available. They didn't have many other options. Uh, so uh, that makes sense. But yeah, vegan beer, hmm. of course. <laughs> so what are the vegan alternatives for, um, for fining the wine? So there is a clay that they've started to use that has been um, good for finishing the, the wine process. And, um, and that's the main thing that you're going to find, uh, with the, the process. And it's all just natural, whatever they're using, whatever people are discovering that, cause a lot of winemakers are playing around, so it may not all be the same. And I think that's why it's so interesting because you'll have winemakers that have been making vegan wines for years, but they're not necessarily calling them vegan. They just found a natural way to create their wines because they've been doing everything from their farm, whether they've been using a particular rock, clay uh, to make their wine vegan uh, and organic and all of that. And they're just now really starting to talk about these processes. It kind of wasn't on the radar. 
until somebody said, oh, by the way, wine's not vegan. Because <laughs> I never would have thought about it had it not come up because I'm not, I eat meat, but sometimes I do eat vegan so I can clean my, my body out. So I don't think it's something that a lot of people have been discussing. And now it's just really all the winemakers are starting to talk about their processes and everybody's learning the best way to do it. Which is definitely a good step for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so is there an official vegan wine certification or is it all just based on the labeling from the winemakers? Well, and that is, there is no vegan certification at this time. And I believe that will change because through the, through the last few years, more wines have been becoming uh, vegetarian and even green because it's something everybody wants to do, sustainable wine, which is why some winemakers, here's the interesting thing. If you get one vegan wine from a winemaker, it doesn't 100% mean that the rest of their wine is vegan. So you're going to have to, unfortunately, right now it's going to take a little bit more research for everybody at this time. A few people are putting it on their labels, but then you have winemakers that are scared to put it on their labels because people will think that it doesn't taste good. You know how that is, right? Some people don't think vegan food is good, so they don't put it on the label. Yeah, <laughs> which isn't true. Now, this term that you just used, I haven't heard green wine and sustainable wine. What is that? How do you make wine sustainably? Well, a lot of farmers, as I said, and a lot of European farmers especially, had already, they've been using everything from their farm and the way that they uh, create their land and making sure that everything is as clean as possible, that they're not putting uh, sulfites in wine because there are sulfites in wine to to keep it stable. Uh, so a lot of them have stopped doing that and adding any, adding any additives to the wine, which some people do, whether it's color to make it a, a little bit more red. Like those of you who are drinking that two buck Chuck know that that's not, there's a lot of additives in that. I recommend never <laughs> drinking that again. <laughs> so a lot of them have just been leaving it and farming by night and hand picking everything and using less chemicals on the grapes because of course critters and things like to come and eat grapes bugs so they're they're doing their best not to spray because of course one bug can come and wipe out a whole vintage so but a lot of them have taken steps not to do that. California has been really big on that as well. They have taken steps and are trying to make sure most of the vineyards in California are sustainable. So that is changing as well. Yeah, I think most people are. It's becoming a thing. I don't, I don't think it's uncommon anymore. Now people are seeing the benefits of it too. Now to be called or to be considered um, vegan wine, is the fertilizer that's used to, go, to grow the grapes being taken into consideration? Like for example, with um, using bone meal or fish emulsion fertilizers instead of plant-based composts. That's no one is really discussing. I will have to make the assumption that it is because normally the only reason why wine has not been vegan, it has been the finishing process. So um, back to the sustainability of it, most farmers have tried to be sustainable anyway. The main reason they were using all those other things were because it was more cost effective. But through the years, everybody have been going back to this whole green thinking and, and uh, knowing that consumers want something that's more sustainable, whether they're vegan or not, or more cleaner wine or just healthier for the body. Uh, that is something I will have to look into. But the main reason wine has not been vegan has been the finishing process. 
Yeah, it sounds like I wish there was an official certification already because it sounds like it's really up to the consumer to have to like call the winery themselves and ask like, well, what do you use to, you know, make your wine and what kind of fertilizer do you use? And then like with um, wines with added sugar, since some cane sugar is bleached with animal bone char, you know, that wine you know, maybe they're using clay, maybe they're growing it with plant-based compost, but then they're mixing it with sugar that, um, you know, was bleached with bone char. And, and so that then would make it not vegan either. So that's really unfortunate. Yeah, that is. Yeah. And it's something that should, of course, be brought to the attention. But yeah, I mean, more and more people are talking about and are proud of the fact that they have vegan wines. But unfortunately, right now, it's a little bit of the work will have to come from the consumer until there's a certification and all of that. And I'm sure it has to be around the corner. It can't not be. It's a request. It's a demand. And people know that it, that's what they need to do if they want to meet the demand of the consumers or, or somebody else will get their business. So Yeah, hopefully with the certification. I do know just from doing a quick Google search, I mean, there are directories online. I saw that PETA has a list of vegan wines and I saw an entire website dedicated. So hopefully that'll help people um, making their research a little bit easier. So, but even still, I'm, I, I didn't look further into that and research those more. So once again, I'm not sure if even those lists of vegan wines are taking into account the fertilizer or the sugar. Right. Let's hope that they are. I mean, it's like, oh, especially Peter, right? Crazy <laughs> stuff. Yeah. You're like, I just want to drink some wine. I don't want it to be this long, difficult process. I know you have to do a whole research on the background of everything. But the good news is that most wine, I mean, if you are at a wine tasting or you're going to a, a wine room, the good news is that most of the winemakers are more than happy to tell you exactly what they're doing. They're very proud of it and they love to geek out with you. So, and they'll be honest about it. So at least if you are going with friends somewhere, you you can ask and they will be more than happy to tell you. Good. All right, let's talk vegan wines. What uh, what vegan wines do you recommend for both small and larger budgets? Well, Christy Brinkley, as we all know, has been a vegan for years. She has a line of sparkling wines, Proseccos, actually, which are pretty good. And they come in these beautiful bottles and they're like $13.99, if not even less, depending on where you live. They're called Bellissima. And they're beautiful and made in Italy, of course, because it's Prosecco. Those are absolutely wonderful. Surprisingly enough, Moet and Chandon Champagne is vegan. So that's, if you love champagne, (laughs) uh, you will be able to get your Moet and Chandon, which is always wonderful. Sutter Home, a California wine. They make some vegan wines. Not all of their wine is vegan. Once again, you'll have to do a little research with them, but they are a good um, winery. There is a California wine called the Vegan Vine. All their wines are vegan. So that is good. Bogle, another California wine, is wonderful if you like your California wines. Chapel Hill became really popular because it was one of the wines served at the Royal Wedding. 
Not all of their sparkling wine is vegan, but a lot of it is, and that is English sparkling wine. So if you're like, oh, I want to drink what Meghan Markle is drinking, um, make sure you check to see which one is vegan. She's probably going to be drinking the vegan one as well. <laughs> and um, then you have Frey um, Vineyards, which is also in California, is doing some really good stuff with vegan wine. Uh, so, I mean, there's tons of options. It's just all about looking, unfortunately. It's all about doing that research, which falls on all of us. But uh, Christy Brinkley's wine is really wonderful. If you like sparkling wine, I do recommend that. And she has one that has no sugar in it at all, which, so she's got, yeah, yeah. If you're really into no sugar, she's got three. She's got a sparkling rosé and then she's got a brute, which has very little sugar. And then she's got one that has no sugar. And you, we know for sure she's 100% vegan and always been on that path. So you can really trust her, the quality of her wines. But around the, the world, everybody's doing something with vegan wine. Uh, California is always a good bet. Washington is always a good bet as well because they are very much like California with their land. And of course, Italy and France have always been trying to do their best to keep things as natural as possible. So you can find a lot of options. And you know, hopefully if you are shopping at wine stores still, you will be able to, you're, the person who's selling you the wine will know they're vegan wines. And if they don't, get on them for that and tell them they need to check those out <laughs> and tell you the best suggestions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important for consumers to be requesting those products from their local stores to show that there is, in fact, a demand for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there is. In your opinion, you know, because you mentioned earlier, some people, some wineries are hesitant to label their wines as vegan. Um, have you ever come across there being any sort of taste difference at all? Or can you tell if a wine is vegan or not? Or is it just totally all like no way of knowing? Sometimes I can because the wine just isn't good. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> um you, you know, some people are newer winemakers, and of course, the more experienced person is probably going to be able to make a better vegan wine at the beginning because they, they know the processes and they've been doing it for a while. So I do think some of it is young winemakers trying to get in the game and make really good vegan wine. And it's just their first vintages. And I can go and I'm like, OK, get back to me in a couple years. <laughs> so sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. And I can taste a difference. Uh, if you're drinking a wine with no sugar, a lot of times, of course, you're going to taste a difference because sugar adds a nice little touch to wine, especially in champagne. So you, you can taste a little bit of difference, but the more you drink it, the more your palate appreciates it. And you, you, as you pair it with food, you're not going to be able to taste the difference. So there are some bad vegan wines as the same way there are some the wines that aren't vegan, the same way we have bad wine too. So it's just, it's all about the winemaker and trying and, and continuing to try and to support these people so that they, if they're a young winery, uh, helping them go, okay, I like this. I don't like this. And actually giving them feedback because a lot of winemakers love feedback because of course they'll say that it's good and maybe they're, their family will tell them it's great, but that doesn't mean the wine is really good. But they give them feedback, tell them what you like and what you don't like so that they can go back and keep trying to make the best wine that they possibly can. Yeah. Yeah. Feedback is always good. Now, 
What are the health benefits of wine? Uh, good for your heart. If you don't drink too, well, of course, not drinking responsibly. It's all about drinking responsibly. Yes, <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, but it has been known to be good for your heart. Um, also been good. It's also good. Red wine is good for you in terms of, um, of course, relaxation and slowing you down a little bit. The interesting thing about red wine is, You'll have studies that say if a woman drinks too much, it's uh, it could cause breast cancer. But then um, there are the the health things that say red wine is good for keeping breast cancer away. So I really think it's one of those don't drink too much, drink responsibly. And also, if if cancer runs in your family, it's highly possible maybe you shouldn't be drinking more wine than this person. You have to know your body as well because chemical makeup makes up a lot of different things. Uh, it's also good, of course, if you want to be aroused, <laughs> which we always say about wine, especially champagne. And um, uh, red wine is really good, especially if you are trying to attract a male. male men apparently have this thing with red wine that um, it, it, um, it does something to, to stimulate them in terms of it's not really just all about sex, but it, do, it does create a stimulation and it creates memory. Um, in them a lot, even more so than women, like we love the smell of red wine, but they especially, it really can create sense memory in men. And it does some interesting things to their brain to cause them to um, relax, relate and release, I like to call it. Relax, relate, release. So red wine is especially very good. I think white wine gets a bum rap though. I'm, I know that they ha it has health benefits too, but everybody always focuses on that red wine, which is a little bit better. Those red grapes are really good for you. Also, the health benefits of wine and, and grapes. I actually went to, and I got a, um, grapes are great for the skin, which is another thing. They say that wine is good for your skin as well, of course, in the right amounts. Uh, I, I ended up getting a facial with grapes and the, um, some of the, the residue from wine. So I got this really great facial and skincare products are being made with wine and wine ingredients. So those are health benefits as well. So you can uh, see if there's a place around you that you can get yourself a nice facial or find yourself a nice wine moisturizer. Really good for that as well. Oh my gosh, I'd never heard of that. That sounds so luxurious, like a wine facial. Yeah, it was wonderful. And actually it was Hennessy that, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> did the event because Hennessy is made from white wine grapes, a, a, a really rare grape in France called the, the uh, Eugni grape. And it's mainly made in French wine. And it really was a great facial. And I had never had one before. And I thought, well, this is so interesting. And they've discovered that there are all these beautiful, beautiful benefits to the grapes and to all the things that they throw away. So they've been using it on people and in a spa and all that good stuff. It's nice, very nice. I love it. I'll have to add that to my bucket, li bucket list, get a wine facial someday. Yes. <laughs> so where can people go to learn more about you? You can go to a website called awitchandtheworld.com and that's where I talk about wine, spirits, and travel. And a lot of it is wine and spirits and travel and food from around the world and how it brings us all together from a historical element, culinary history, historian element. Yes. That is so cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and telling us all about vegan wine. Thank you for having me.
Cheers. Cheers. You can read the show notes for this episode, including a full transcript and links to the resources mentioned by visiting ahippieinavan.com forward slash 007. Hey guys, Callie here. Thank you so much for listening to the Hippie Haven podcast. Your support means the world to me. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and leave a review in iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It only takes 60 seconds, but it really helps because reviews influence how easily people can find this podcast in search results. We also have an exclusive community over on Facebook. So if you want to connect with me and other like-minded people, just type Hippie Haven in the Facebook search bar and join our group. Thanks again and stay tuned every Wednesday for the next episode.